support makes it possible. Please make a donation today at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. But at the same time, he's being compelled by God. He went into the Ukraine, but that wasn't his goal. His goal was to move against Israel ultimately. And God is getting ready to do something amazing. And that will be fulfilled. Is Putin crazy? Is he mad? Well, perhaps. But God says, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws and I'm going to draw you into this battle, whether you like it or not. And he's being compelled and watch what's going to happen next. You read your Bible because it's coming to pass. Please excuse me, but I got to ask. I only be nice because you want something. Did you, did you see Power of the Dog? Did you watch that movie? Yeah, you want to talk about that piece of shit? Oh, no. You didn't like that one? No. Okay. Why? I'll tell you why. Okay. I read a f- I didn't like it anyway. Yeah. I looked at it when I was down there doing, in Texas in yeah. 1883. Yeah. And what really brought it home to me the other day, what I, what I said, do you want to f- talk about yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. There was a f- full-page ad out in the L.A. Times, and there was a, a review not a review, but a, a clip. A clip, yeah. Yeah. And it talked about the uh, evisceration of the American myth. Huh. And I thought, what the f***? What the f***? What does that this mean? This is the guy that's done Westerns forever. For his whole life. The evisceration of the American West. I mean, they made it look like, what are, those, what are all those dancers, those guys that... In New York, that wear bow ties and not much else. Uh huh. Remember them from back in the day? Oh, the Chippendales? Yeah. Yeah. That's what all these f- cowboys in that movie looked like. Uh huh. They're all running around in shaps and no shirts. There's all these illusions of homosexuality yeah. Yeah. throughout the f- movie. Yeah. I think that's what the movie's about. Yeah. Well, what the f is this woman from. Who, Jane Campion? Yeah. She's a brilliant director, yeah. by the way. I love her work, <laughs> right. previous work. Sure. But what the f*** does this woman from down there come Oh, New Zealand. New Zealand. Right. Know about the American West? And why in the f*** does she shoot this movie in New Zealand and call it Montana? It's good. This movie. And say, this is the way it was. It's got you, this movie. So that's, that f***ing rubbed me the wrong way, pal. <laughs> yeah. Look, play the melody up to just pull up. There's a choice we're making. That's, the right. one That's where he's going in on. Stevie. Leave the other melodies in. C- can you play it one time? And the myth is that they were these, you know, macho men out there with the cattle. Yeah. I just come from f***ing Texas where I was hanging out with families, not men, but yeah. families. Yeah. Big, long, extended, multiple generation families right. that made their living. And their lives were all about being cowboys. And boy, when I saw that, I thought, what the f***? Yeah. Where are we in this world today? That, well, I mean, well, I don't know that that's the biggest uh, issue at hand. I, it, well, well, it's I, not the biggest issue sure. at hand, no, but it's, for me, it was, but you, it was but, the only issue. Right, but you can't. Because there was so much of it. Do you? I mean, Cumberbatch never got out of his shaft. He, 
He had two pair of shafts, a woolly pair and a leather pair. Yeah. And every time he'd he'd walk in from somewhere, I don't know where, and he, he never was on a horse. Yeah. Maybe once. Yeah. He'd walk into the house, storm up and stairs, go lay on his bed in his shafts and play his banjo. And it's like, what the It's true, we make a better day, just you and me. What's that? But, but, but Where's the Western? Where's the Western in this Western? I, I, I get what you're saying, but you can't, but there's no part of you that knowing art films and knowing a separation that this is a specific story and that, you know, the idea that it's an evisceration of the American West was a critic's No, the American myth. The American myth, yeah. 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 Well, you're part of it, so I guess it, it's it's a personal I took insult. It personal. <laughs> yeah. I took it personal, though. That's any good at all. But. Out in the street, they call it From the Winslow Tea Broadcast booth in... Eh, it's getting warmer, Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And this... 
is race to the bottom, baby. Yeah, back again, back at ya. Hirgi, hirgi. I thought it was hirgi, hirgi, like with a g, as a kid, and actually until I was uh, today years old. I think it's actually hear ye, hear ye, and not hirgi, hirgi. But uh, I'm I'm up for debate. <laughs> the uh, the the chat is open if you you'd like to weigh in and you can also weigh in on that mashup that was a kind of an extended weird uh, part of the um, race to the bottom universe a venture a venture into the outreaches of the uh, RTTBU and RTTBU is a new university that I'm gonna uh, be opening up next year uh, got some good um, funding uh, streams, uh, which I'll I'll talk about on a, on a show, you know, a subsequent program. Program. But yeah, how about that mashup? What did we hear from? And from whom did we hear? We heard from Pat Robertson coming out of retirement. On the 700 Club. I remember uh, as a young chap, I would uh, flip through the through the TV channels. I don't even think we had a remote at this point. We had a, a this black box on top of the TV. And you'd have to turn the uh, actual dial. That's That's how old this guy is. But I would, and and it would land on this. He was old then. This guy, Pat Robertson. And he was uh, kind of avuncular. So you'd start listening to him. And then he'd just drop the truth on you. (laughs) And uh, we we heard heard Pat talking about how uh, this is ultimately this... Putin is being compelled, basically, to launch an attack against Israel, and this is these are the end times, which is uh, that's a that's a how many t- that would be interesting. How many times? How many times has he predicted the end times? But you know what? Bus passing by outside. I had to open the windows in here. I came in here, it was 97 degrees in the Winslow uh, T broadcast booth. People here last night steeped it. It was a hot box. It was a, they were steeping it right into the conversation. And you can uh, hashtag your... Oh my God, I didn't even do this. Here, I've got a, um, a bottle of Winslow tea. Cold. Ice cold. Mmm. Yeah, so hashtag your tea drinking experiences with hashtag how you know to steep into the conversation but don't steep the uh, don't steep up the damn <laughs> studio if you're here uh, overnight you don't have to crank the heat all night anyway the windows are, are open so you might get a little ambiance 
from from out outside. But I don't want to tell you. You want me to talk about uh, the end of the world, Ukraine, Putin? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what what I can offer that you haven't uh, heard on uh, from uh, Oliver Stone. <laughs> um, but I want to talk to you about every day, every day, uh, the beauty of of the everyday. Um, little little things, the little things in life, like wool sweaters, guys. What's the deal? They're scratchy. <laughs> they uh, what? Why? Why are wool sweaters a thing? Can anybody let uh, let me know? I got these uh. Got these wool wool sweaters, and I'm I'm just coming to terms with the fact that they're itchy. You can't really, you know, you got to handle them with care as far as their uh, the laundry. They collect lint. <laughs> the little things. Like a a doc, here's, I've got a hack, a life hack for you guys. I had a doctor's appointment and I've, I've learned this over the past few years. You ever have a doctor's or dentist appointment and you're like, uh, the day comes and you're like, man, I just want to get that over with. Or if you're a a teacher like me, like, I don't want to take off the whole day. Is there a way I could just pop, pop over town? pop across town and uh, get what I need to do get what I need done done and and get back to my life I gotta wait around for this dentist appointment here's the hack go early you got a doctor's appointment go early they'll they'll usually just slip you in if they're not too busy I went an hour early for my <laughs> for this doctor's appointment got right in there got seen got back out I was out there I was out of the the, the, the office before my thing was even supposed to start and that's the kind of stuff you, you get that's the kind of life advice you get on, on a race to the bottom and and uh, you can thank me later. Or we can talk about what if you uh, you know if you had no uh, compunction about uh, health or gaining weight, you you could eat as much of one food. As as you wanted to eat, what what food would that be? What's your go to? Can let me know. Uh, hit me up. I'm interested what what people would say. Sometimes I feel like, and I know that this is crazy. This is not like a a very adult thing to say. But sometimes for me, it'd be like gummy gummy bears, gummy worms. 
I know uh, my mom's saying, she's saying, if it's not chocolate, I don't want it. Sometimes it's like, is that inf- infantile of me? So just like some candy, some gummy candy. We also heard from Tom York off of his album, The Eraser, that the title track, the lead-off track, Batting First. Please excuse me, but I got to ask. Are you only being nice? Because you want something, something. Right? Then we heard from Sam Elliott on WTF. And speaking of, of my mom, she contacted me. She sent me a, an article about Sam Elliott being on uh, WTF. She said, I've heard you talk about this show for years. And now I, I actually have evidence that it's a real show <laughs> or something like that. Sam Elliott went off on the power of the dog and you can hear me and Eric and Corey go off on the power of the dog not next week but the following week we got the Oscar spectacular we're working our way through all the uh, 10 nominated best picture films and we'll be talking about that I'm really looking forward to that but man, Sam Sam Elliott, I guess he he thinks he owns the uh, the western. Said some pretty troubling. Uh, I was not expecting to hear that from from old uh, old mustache man. The evisceration of the American myth. I'm 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 down for the evisceration of the American myth, and so is Bob Dylan. We heard. Uh, as per touchdowns um, requests in the uh, in the chat last week, we checked out uh, Bob Dylan's <laughs> outtakes from "We Are the World," the "We Are the World" session outtakes. And man, this guy touchdown who likes to give me the the. Uh, the business, give me this old-fashioned shakedown. It should be called Shakedown, this guy. I don't know who he is, but he pops up in the Race to the Bottom chat from, from time to time. He likes to give me a hard time, but but he gave me a, um, a good time with the recommendation to watch these Bob Dylan outtakes. Bob Dylan cannot seem to figure out the, the melody to We Are the World, which... To me, seems like maybe it's one of those things where it's like deceptively simple. Maybe like Wordle. <laughs> and um, breaking news. I got to turn the music off for this. I know a lot of people are um, big Wordle fans. A lot of you uh, base your life around it. But I don't know if you read the news. But... Uh, it looks like today was the final wordle.
Yeah, guys, is the final word of the day. The New York Times canceled it. Um, yeah, check the news. You heard it here first. Um, yeah, Bob Dylan says, uh, Stevie, and Stevie Wonder's there on the piano. And he says, Stevie, can you play it again? It's very cute the way he says, the way Bob Dylan asks Stevie Wonder to, uh, Twizzlers, especially Cherry. Um, listener Kathy says, I, I respect that. Yeah, the gummy. I don't know. Something about Twizzlers fall into the gummy uh, category. So today on the show, uh, we have my my buddy. You know him. You love him. Jake Frankel. It's been a while since we had him on the show. I think we were in the old... Winslow T broadcast booth. Now that I'm thinking about it, but it was pre. We haven't had a, had a Jakey on since pre-pandemic. They call him Jake Daddy, Jakey, Jake the Snake. Um, Jake was my roommate for many years, and uh, we're going to be talking about a band known as Pearl Jam. And uh, and their lead singer Eddie Vedder. Also, I'll say it. I was a big um, Pearl Jam fan as a as a young lad. Their first few records were really my my cup of Winslow. But then, as a Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, I, I I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child, but then I put childish things away. And I realized that Eddie Vedder's voice and his singing style, the which I have since uh, dubbed singing like a dude, I realized through a mirror darkly that Eddie Vedder is a lot of what uh, who who's responsible for rock and roll no longer. Uh, the, yeah, I think Eddie Vedder's voice killed rock music because you got after you, you got Creed and in these bands. All, all deciding that rock is all about singing like a dude. A lot of people blame pile blame on uh, Nirvana. If you if you talk to Motley Crue or any of these hair metal bands, they said they heard uh, those opening chords to "Smells Like Teen Spirit" and they knew it was over. Man, my wife and I are watching Pam and Tommy on Hulu. It's about Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson and their sex tape and the whole fallout about that. It's 
pretty good. It's, it was done by the same... I didn't realize this until my, my wife told me. It's done by the same person who did I, Tanya about Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. And this director, man, really got the 90s locked down, locked in. A lot of nostalgia. But the show's, you know, the show's as much about, you know, the media at that time, the advent of the internet, kind of 24-hour news cycle, and 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 then largely about how uh, women were treated at that time. And, and it seems like things, um, just in comparison, things have hopefully gotten a little bit better. Um, but it's very interesting because you had these rock and rollers, um, these, these 80s rock and rollers like Tommy Lee and Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Poison. Who else? Warrant. Def Leppard. People forget how big of a a band Def Leppard was. They were huge. The that that one uh what is it called? Pyromania. Pour some sugar on me. But then yeah, and then, and then Kurt Cobain came along and ru- ruined that old style rock and roll as as Tommy Lee would tell you. But the hair metal probably had a, a shelf life anyway. But again, my my hypothesis is is that the, we should lay the lay our blame at the the feet of Eddie Vedder's uh, voice. But I think my friend Jake, who will be calling in shortly, strongly disagrees with me, and is still a, a fan of the of Pearl Jam, and that's that's fine. <laughs> that's uh, that's why we're having the show. I res- I respect Mike. I we're gonna have to agree to disagree or or disagree to agree. But we're gonna uh, we're gonna catch a uh, thank you, Jake. There it is. Race to the bottom. Uh, yes. You hear me? Hello. Yes, Jake. Hey. What's up? Didn't hear you there for a second, but I've been I've been hearing you kind of preemptively make the case, which is quite clever of you really kind of <laughs> set the tone get me put me on the back of my feet make me play defense here yeah well um that's i guess that's the benefit of of being uh you know being here in the winslow t broadcast booth we got to get you in, into the studio one day and then and then we can have this this discussion uh face to face i kind of ambushed you there a little bit yeah, well, you know, the funny thing is, for people who don't know, is we've kind of been having this discussion face-to-face for many <laughs> years. 
I mean, you know, like I, I think of the days when, you know, our, our good buddy Parr lived across the hall from us. And actually, he's a much bigger pull gym fan than I am. I'm kind of somewhere in between you guys. But yeah. I mean, what? We would spend hours debating Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. And Parr, uh, Parr is a, uh, also a host of a show here on, on Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, did you know that, Jake? Yeah, I did. I did. That's super cool. Uh, cli- what is it called? Climate cli- crisis radio or something like that? Let me look it up. So how's it going, Jake? It's okay, man. Pretty good. I um I didn't get great sleep last night. I won't go into all the details, but you know I kind of had some indigestion. Oh man. No, you know how that goes. I know how that goes. You, do you want to? Um, here it is. Climate Radio Atlas, and uh, it's a it's a great show. Uh, people should check that out. Yeah, and and maybe I'll I'll continue this conversation with Par. I've I've had him on the show before, but we didn't. I think he did actually slip in a comment about uh, about Eddie Vedder. So, um, did Jake? Did you hear my hypothesis? And have you um, been watching Pam and Tommy at all? Well, I, I have not, but I've heard really good things about it, and you know, you just confirmed that I really should watch it. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. It's a quite a bit of fun, but also pretty smart. Yeah. Well, I have vague memories of when that all happened, uh, but you know, it's interesting because that was kind of be- a little before the you know whole kind of reality. TV thing, yeah, right. So they were kind of like it was kind of the original reality TV in a way when that was all happening. Exactly, and uh, you know, and it was still you know that it's interesting because then you have Kim Kardashian putting out a uh, you know or having a sex tape leak and and it kind of really boosted her her profile and her career. There's not wasn't really the shame attached to it which i think is is good you know but uh, you know pamela anderson it was a it was a nightmare for her um so yeah it's it's interest it's an interesting show yeah. um so when's where are you at with pearl jam these days have you uh <laughs> have you seen seen them in concert in in the past uh decade well yeah the last time i saw pearl jam was actually, <clears throat> excuse me, with Parr in Miami. Uh, we both happened to just randomly be in Miami for other reasons, and we saw Pearl Jam was playing. And we, you know, went that day, you know, kind of bought tickets for the moment, the very the day of the show, and went. And we had like the worst seats in the in the big <laughs> stadium uh-huh. in Miami. There, you know, literally the very top of row of like a you know. 50,000 person stadium. And, and one of the incredible things about it, though, which it kind of renewed my respect for Pearl Jam because I hadn't been listening to them very much. I certainly, you know, I'm not a big fan of a lot of their more recent albums. Mm-hmm. But seeing them live was unbelievable. I mean, they filled the entire stadium up with just energy that just kind of like wild abandoned type of energy mm-hmm. that is 
you know, part one of the best things about rock and roll, and it did not feel like a retro act at all. It felt like very, you know, alive, you know, Pearl Jam pun intended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of like, okay, wow, these guys still rock, like in in the best sense of the word. How um, was um, how was Eddie Vedder's voice that night? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was amazing. Uh-huh. I mean, I heard you, you know, making these grandiose statements about how his voice ruined rock and roll. Uh-huh. Which I, don't, <laughs> I don't understand that, <laughs> but uh, to me. It's like, you know, it was it was classic Eddie Vedder voice, just mm-hmm. you know, whether you like it or not. Yeah. I mean, you know, he one thing I like about his voice is he, he he can go really deep, like he's channeling like pure, you know, man sound. But then like you were making fun of him about he also has this kind of like sometimes he has like a frog yeah. thought in his throat. Mm-hmm. But then what? Yeah, like he goes. <laughs> but but then he also goes up, and you know he also can hit the high notes, so mm-hmm. he can channel the the kind of feminine spectrum too, where mm-hmm. he does his woo woo woo. Uh huh. Um, and and was... all, he still had all the tools in his in his vocal toolbox two years ago. I will say that. And um, I've. Um, I've never seen them live, but I've seen videos and, and clips and it seems like he's, uh, quite, quite a performer. Like the, did he, he, uh, was he talkative? Um, it's, I've heard, I've heard he can, you know, have, have a few bottles of wine as he's performing and kind of get a little wild. Was that, uh, <laughs> did it feel that way? Yeah, it did. I mean, he's, you know, like a lot of the rock and roll greats, he's extremely charismatic, and he does, in kind of the tradition of a long line of rock and roll singers like Bruce Springsteen and a bunch of others, he kind of weaved in personal stories into the songs, in between the songs. He had, I remember he told some kind of amazing story about how the previous time they were in Miami, he randomly met like a veteran after the show and then heard from him again, you know, years later that he was going to be there again and dedicated a song to him. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he made it feel somehow like this, like this massive stadium felt somehow intimate and personal, not an easy thing to do. I mean, the other time I saw him, actually, uh, Pearl Jam was in Asheville, and I was trying to remember, I guess you didn't come with me, but you remember in, like, I guess it was 2004 um, when, when you know, John Kerry was running against mm-hmm. George Bush, and mm-hmm. they headlined a tour that was designed to kind of get out the vote and, you know, kind of rally opposition against George Bush. Mm-hmm. And Quite a very you know, effective. That was the only time they yeah. ever came to Asheville. And that was an awesome show too. Do you remember what? You know, like to me, one of the one of the advantages of Eddie Vedder really in Pearl Jam is like they feel very righteous, but like in this way that somehow feels authentically righteous. Mm-hmm. And I'm not real. I'm not a very righteous person, and oftentimes when I encounter righteousness in some, one form or another, it's kind of a turnoff. It just it's like they're full of crap. Yeah, but. You know, somehow when I hear Pearl Jam, 
and Eddie Vedder, it, it feels authentic to me in the same way like Neil Young does. Yeah. Um, do you remember what uh, sports jersey uh, Eddie Vedder was wearing when you saw him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. I don't remember, but I do think there was some kind of reference in Miami to whatever the local uh-huh. sports team was yeah. that plays in that stadium. It's wearing a heat. Uh, Miami Heat jersey or something. Probably. <laughs> well, um, let's you. So, Eddie Vedder uh, put out a um, an album uh, last month called Earthling, um, and I thought um, you and I would do uh, something that we do on the show. And this, and just to kind of show my work here, this is something I kind of took from. Um, Tom Sharpling from The Best Show, uh, he hasn't done it in a long time, so I thought I would uh, pick up his tradition of doing an unfair album review um, where Jake and I have not listened to a second of this album, right? That's right. Um, but we're going to do so now. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play... Jake, do you have uh, headphones on? You might want to... Uh, I don't know how well you're going to be able to hear... Hopefully you'll be able to hear this clearly. Um, hmm. we'll, we'll see. I've got headphones on. We'll give it a go. How do you, so you're going to play clips, John. Are these just totally random clips? How do you pick the clips to play? Cause I know you haven't listened to them. I'm just, we're going to, there's 13 songs on the album, Jake, and I'm going to play about the first 10 seconds of each song. And we're going to, um, okay. we're going to just make a snap judgment, um, on, on, on each song and kind of, um, just kind of say what's on our mind and and, g- and give an unfair album review. Does that make Sounds sense? Good. All right, let's see yeah. how well you can hear the first track. And this one is called Invincible uh, from, oh, hold on one sec. Uh, Invincible off of Earthling, uh, released February, uh, February, uh, I don't know, February like 22nd or something. Um, here's Invincible. Could you you hear that all right, Jake? Good enough. I was n- good enough. To, yeah. I was not expecting that. <laughs> Me neither. Um, it was pretty literal, you know. It's like how a lot of bands like start an album with this kind of like, okay, you know, let's let's build build into something, mm-hmm. but they don't just straight up say like he did, like. Okay, lift off. Like, <laughs> are you ready? Right, are you ready? It's like, it, I mean, that kind of thing to me works better at a, at a live show. Yeah. But in, in a recorded album, it, it just felt like really cheesy. Um. Resurrection to the 
Yeah, uh, resurrection to the big old bang. Um, I'm not sure. They, they kind of like a, a bit of a Talking Heads vibe, um, but whoa, he's going off. Um, all right, that's Invincible. Um, that song se- uh, felt co- more vin- invincible to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it was trying too hard. Yeah. Right? Like, like if it was like a song that really was invincible, you wouldn't just, you probably wouldn't be like, I'm invincible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Next, next song, speaking of, of righteousness, the, um, this next one is called Power of Right. <laughs> Um, that definitely has like a, an extreme sports kind of vibe, like a, a <laughs> like a Red Bull commercial, maybe. Yeah, my first thought was it it kind of had this thing that a lot of Pearl Jam songs have, which is like a surfing okay. vibe to me, yeah. like the guitar power chords, kind of like or almost like waves. Okay. Coming and going, and 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 I and I know that you know Eddie Vedder is a big surfer, so that that kind of colors my perspective. Mm-hmm. I've read interviews with him where he talks a lot about the feeling he gets surfing is kind of an influence on his music. That's that's what that one brought up for me. Well, I liked it more than the first song. Okay, and and it's the the name of his. I'm I'm looking the name of his uh, record company that he put this out under is called Seattle Surf Company. So. I yeah. guess yeah, you're um I think you're right on point with both the righteousness and the and the surfing. Um <laughs> we got a long way to go, uh thirteen songs and the next song, uh check this segue out, is called Long Way. Let's let's hear what, what Long Way's all about. Kind of a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers vibe on this one. Yeah. Dire Straits, maybe. Oh yeah. I like this one the most so far. Yeah, we don't have time to get into the lyrics, but generally speaking, and especially of the, the more recent albums, the slower songs tend to be my favorite uh-huh. Eddie Vedder songs. They feel just, you know, I don't know. It's like live, I think he still brings the youthful energy, but in recordings, it's like he's not a teenager anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? He's pushing 60, and something about the slower songs feel more, you know, real or something. Going back to the sports things, you ever see, um, I always thought that Eddie Vedder was like a Seattle guy, and then, and then like, uh, Chicago sports teams started to do well, and then he was like at every Chicago, uh, like every, every Cubs game, every, you know, did you notice that? 
Were you ever? Yeah, and I, I always thought it was just because in the '90s the Chicago sports teams were so cool. Yeah, I mean this is this was the decade of Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. How could you not like you know the Bulls? You know, and yeah. the Cubs had a lot going for them too. I mean, they kind of captured the whole national imagination in that decade. And you know, I'm giving them a. a hit him and Pearl Jam kind of a hard time about the sports jerseys, but there was something kind of like um, endearing about it because, you know, I, I brought up uh, hair metal and then, and then even Nirvana, like Nirvana wouldn't be caught dead in a sports Jersey and neither would, uh, you know, Motley Crue or any of the hair metal guys. And I kind of did appreciate how, um, they uh, Pearl Jam didn't really play by the kind of rock and roll cliches that you you know you couldn't mix sports and and like and music and that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, they didn't quite have as much like of an anti pop culture attitude mm-hmm. as like Nirvana. They. I mean, they were all they were all the you know angsty. They did did have angst, but not quite to the level of Nirvana, which is why why some people didn't like Pearl Jam thought they were lame yeah yeah they 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 yeah they weren't anti-establishment enough for 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 certain people um what about brother the cloud brother the cloud this is song four I like that. I like where that was going. That was a cool guitar lick. It feels different than Pearl Jam. I guess he's he's taken a um, his opportunity on his solo album to kind of do his own thing. Uh, feels a bit more pop pop centered than than Pearl Jam, maybe. Yeah, it's, you know, one thing I, I I've always liked about his songwriting is that it's not all love songs. He actually barely writes any love mm-hmm. songs and you know, almost all pop songs are love songs. And mm-hmm. he he explores kind of trickier, weirder stuff than that. You know, like this one I don't I don't know, it sounded like, you know, something about his brother or relationship with another guy or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's plenty of I love a good love song, but I, I have always appreciated that Eddie Vedder explores other you know, areas of human life. Yeah, it seems like this one might be, he said his brother's gone, and he's searching for him in the clouds. So maybe, uh, you know, his literal brother or, or his friend is, uh, has has passed away. Yeah, that's a good a good point. Uh, that um, I can, you know, even, even Pearl Jam's song uh, Black, which is the kind of their closest to a love song, is, is a very non-traditional, as kind of almost like a stalkerish weird uh love song like it's definitely not uh 
uh, yeah, there's not like an uh, ooh, ooh, I love you kind of chorus on any of the uh, Eddie yeah, Vedder Yeah, I mean, stuff. for a band as popular as them, they have almost no songs like that. Yeah. Which is pretty wild. What about Fallout today? That's kind of a straight-ahead, uh, straight-ahead rocker. Yeah, very Neil Youngy. Yeah, it is. Okay, I kind of like that one. Yeah. Man, you would be man. You would be a great backup singer in his <laughs> solo band. Yeah, I wonder if he if his backup singers, he's like, no, it's more like here, <laughs> more frog, like you got a frog in the boys. All right, what about the dark? We're about getting halfway through here. Oh, a little. Ooh. Eighty cents going on. Yeah. I came here to walk in for I've been able to hear you When you speak to yourself I've been talking about this a lot recently on the show, Jake, is like people, uh, I did a show with this guy you might know, Stephen Slack, you know that guy? <laughs> I was just hanging out with him last night. Um, we did a show about you 2 recently, and... Uh, and I'm just kind of fascinated by these people who kind of keep going. You know, there's no need for uh, for Eddie Vedder to do this record. And I, w- I just wonder, like, what the, you know, where people get their motivation. Like, I, I, I'd say that there'd be pretty a pretty slim chance that Eddie Vedder would put out this record and it would really... Um, cause like big ripples in the culture you know he just kind of did it and put it out and his fans listened to it and then you know what i'm saying like what's what's driving him at this point well i don't know but to me the only thing i can think about is there has to be some kind of genuine love or passion for making music Mm -hmm. i mean on some level i think it has to come down to that because like you said why else would he do it i mean the guy has plenty of money yeah i think there has to just be some kind of addiction to the creative process which you know as as a lot of these bands and singers you know that we used to love from the from the 90s and stuff just kind of fall by the wayside Mm -hmm. never do anything the ones that do kind of keep keep up the creative juices like i may or may not like some of the the music but i do respect that they just they have some kind of passion mm-hmm. at least trying mm-hmm. yeah it, it must just be fun for him to get in the studio well i wonder what he uh if he's uh what a song like the haves might uh maybe this is like about wealth oh it's a slower one 
like crash test dummies. He's really going for it with his vocals on this one. Yeah, that was cool. I don't like that There's one. Several tracks on here that I would like really definitely want to go back and listen to the whole thing. All right, you can do that. I that's not. I don't like this one. We, <laughs> <laughs> let's see what good and evil's all about. I, righteousness, right here. Track eight is about good and evil. Ooh. This feels more like Pearl Jam. Yeah, or like Nirvana. Yeah. Could work out to that one. You work. You <laughs> to me, that, that that might be a good one live. Yeah, you know where you're really feeling the vibe. But probably for me, that song like that's not going to work so much to listen to at home. All right, yeah, uh, we're, we got to go fast here. Rose of Jericho. Okay. Another another exercise class. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Here's try. Is that a John Popper on the harmonica? I don't know. I wonder who we're playing all these instruments. I, I did see that Stevie Wonder is. is oh, that must be Stevie parts. Wonder playing harmonica. Man, yeah. how's he get Stevie Wonder? This next one was Elton John. Picture. Oh. Unmistakable. Elton on the keys. Oh, wow. Some of them are mine. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right. Little... I'm kind of biased against Elton John myself. Like, when I hear Elton John's on a track, I'm immediately predisposed not to like okay. it. Okay. You're probably the opposite. Um,. I mean, if it was 70s Elton John, I would probably be into it. But yeah, I can't say that, like, a, yeah, modern Elton John song is really going to, uh, uh, you know, light my fire. This is Mrs. Mills. Kind of cool. You don't hear him just with a piano often. And then closing. You know, my third grade teacher was Mrs. Mills. I, I, I had no idea he wrote a song about. Yeah, it. that's really sweet. Yeah, maybe at the next next concert, he he'll bring her out, uh, <laughs> and you can go up there. Uh, um, on my way. Also, very literal last song, uh, like with the first song. The last song is on my way. Well. So what um what what would be your album review uh of this um rapid fire 
Jake? Well, good enough for me to want to listen to it and, and you know, in depth to give it give it more thought. You know, there are definitely a few songs that sounded more promising than mm-hmm. others, but overall, I, I thought it sounded pretty good. What about you? There were a few songs you kind of like didn't hate. Yeah. The, yeah, I'm. I um. I can't. Say, I'm definitely never gonna listen to this ever again. But, uh, but you're. I think you're. You're right that uh, there were songs that I didn't hate. That's um. That's my review. <laughs> there were songs that I didn't hate. Um. Well, John, this was really fun. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Yeah. Thanks, Jake. I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. All right, Bye. peace. If you're listening to this on your computer, you can download the app for your Android or your iPhone. It works great. Um, thanks again to Jake. Uh, you can, if you like what you heard, uh, you can go and click that green donate button. You can also sign up for the newsletter. Up next is Crime Talk BK. Uh, as we close out with um, my buddy Shane Parrish uh, doing Black Eyed Susan, um, and I will talk to you all. Next week, um, we got Scott Bunn, and we're going to be doing uh, Mel Brooks. Peace. Mm-hmm.